Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Happy Monday, everyone. J.C. Sherbert here with you. After, um, well, it was a weekend, right? <laughs> uh, took a little time off, watched a little football, enjoyed that over the weekend. Now back in full coaching search mode, both here on the and on the bigspur.com. Appreciate all you guys that are new members of the site. Appreciate all you new listeners here. We've uh, uh, miraculously seen our numbers grow, <laughs> uh, both on the podcast and on the website. Certainly, uh, it's always very fulfilling and gratifying when people kind of take interest in what you were doing. You know, I could be out uh, working for a living and I don't have to because of the support each and every one of you give us, uh, even those guys on, on the big spur that maybe don't always agree with me. Uh, I certainly appreciate them caring enough to be a part of it. Um, so this weekend, Gamecocks lose to Missouri. Uh, I think that's a loss that I don't know, probably – you know, you play it again. Maybe you start Luke Doty at the beginning. Maybe it doesn't happen quite that way. You get enough points. Um, but really, it was a tale of two halves. And, and I think in the second half, the reason people aren't upset about the loss, so to speak, and, and there are no moral victories in football. That's just not uh, not something that happens. Uh, I think that, um, you know, when you look at it from the standpoint of, Luke Doty taking over in the second half. And uh, the Gamecocks showing some life on offense and defense. Um, I think with Shai Smith out, Mike Bobo at offensive coordinator really had to do that. You know, I think Colin Hill, one of the things, you know, that he, he probably did intentionally is he always looked for Shy. I think part of the offense is get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and, and you'll scheme it up. And, you know, certainly that's that's what you do. Uh, when you have Hill at quarterback. And, you know, I think there were times where that worked this year. You look at Shai's numbers, you look at the run game. You know, Missouri was stacking the box, um, and they do that. That's their defensive scheme. Uh, that's why you saw some of those tall sweeps go for negative four with Kevin Harris because it was just – they just outnumber you, um, and, and it didn't work. You know, the first half was relatively ugly. Now, these kids could have gone and, and quit, you know, and, and I kind of – looking at that score at halftime and how the first half went, I sort of expected it um, and, and probably wouldn't have blamed them. I mean, you know, you lose your coach. Uh, you go into a game against Missouri. Your offense is going nowhere. Your defense is giving up points. But something clicked when, when Luke Doty came in the game. And sometimes, you know, when I've said, and, and I'll admit, I've defended Colin Hill and all that, but I've, I've also said since the A&M game, maybe you go with somebody else to give you a spark because sometimes that happens. Luke Doty is a different type of quarterback than Colin Hill and – Ryan Holinsky, he gives you an extra element, and with them stacking the box to take away a run, you know, I don't think they knew kind of what exactly to do with this kid that's running out, escaping pressure, and getting eight to ten yards. I think that's very beneficial in college football these days to have a guy like that. Uh, and I'll say this, you know, with Mike Bobo being the offensive coordinator and the interim head coach right now, and if he is the guy moving forward, uh, I honestly believe – you know, this is just the beginning with these types of quarterbacks that run the ball because you know who's there in Luke Doty, but you also know you got Gunnar Stockton coming in. Um, and Stockton is not necessarily 100% tied to Bobo, but you can see that they've been working on 
you know, hey, what with this style of quarterback, how does that fit into this offense? Um, so, you know, really, I guess proud, I guess is a good word, impressed with the way Doty performed. It wasn't perfect, but you have a true freshman quarterback. It's going to be that way. You're not going to eliminate all the mistakes. Um, I do think that, you know, he provided a spunk and, and the way he goes out and plays, you know, you hear Nick Saban say this all the time, positively impacts the entire organization. Uh, I, I think Luke Doty did that uh, on Saturday night. So, I, you know, we'll see what happens with the quarterbacks this week and what Mike Bobo does and decides to do. But if I'm him, I'm probably going to go with Doty. Uh, I think especially with Shai Smith and concussion protocol, sometimes those concussions can linger and you just don't play a guy if he's, if he's in protocol. I mean, it's just – that's not something where, oh, I feel okay, I can go. That's basically a doctor's decision. Um, and, and so I would say even though Shy is questionable for this weekend, I would lean toward him not being able to play against Georgia um, just because that's, that's something that can kind of linger and you just don't take any chances with that at all. It's like COVID. You know, if you have COVID, you're, you're not going to play. Um, so the Gamecocks, uh, you know, lost 17-10. They shut out Missouri in the second half. I mean, in the defense – Missouri's not a juggernaut offensively, and they've got a young quarterback too. But, you know, there's been games when they've played against defenses that were struggling like Carolina's, like LSU, where they've lit them up. You know, Roundtree and those receivers and Basilak. I mean, those those are good players. And, uh, you know, Carolina really, you know, buckled down and stopped them second half. Cam Smith at corner, uh, I think, is a player that, uh, you know – is a guy that has a lot of talent. Um, I, I thought that him getting more reps at corner would be beneficial to him, no matter how many mistakes he made. And you see, they caught a touchdown on him, but then the next time he got his head around and picked it off and thought he played pretty well. Um, so there's a guy people were talking about being a five-star player that, you know, he's been behind some guys. And then when he's been in it, he, he's given up some plays, but the more you play, the more your talent is applicable I think to, to your performance, you know, because you're not that nervous, you know, you get coached up. Like he said, I, I thought moving care Thomas to defensive end was smart. Um, you know, especially against Missouri when they got the edge runs uh, playing Rick Sandage more, I thought was smart. Uh, MJ Webb, nobody talks about it, but he's playing better than he ever has. Um, you know, Ernest Jones, poor Jones is out there. There's one linebacker basically. <laughs> uh, and he's making plays. I thought, you know, Jalen Foster always plays hard. He's not ideal. Jalen Dickerson played pretty decent. Um, you know, JJ Anikbare, uh, you know, continues to be able to rough, you know, rush the rough, the passer, rush the passer, uh, at times. And that helps the Gamecocks. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sunshine and roses about losing to Missouri for a second straight year because that shouldn't happen. But, uh, you know, there are signs of life. And, you know, even if the Gamecocks don't win another game, I think everybody can agree that uh, it's exciting to see a quarterback with Luke Doty's skill set out there, you know, performing uh, and kind of gives you a glimpse of the future. Because I think heading into next year, you know, depending on who the coach is, I, I fully expect Doty to, to challenge and, and maybe win that job, you know, be the starting quarterback in 2021. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how things go from there. Uh, again, I thought it was sort of uh, one of those things where it's, it's you know, tale of two halves, so to speak. But, you know, like, like I said, those guys could have quit, uh, you know, and they didn't. 
and uh, I don't I don't see them quitting for the rest of the year. And that's a tribute to Mike Bobo and the coaches that remain sort of rallying the troops. Uh, again, you know, you're down 17 nothing at half and things are not going well. Uh, and then you get a spark in the second half and, you know, your defense steps up. Offense made some plays that they could have used a few more. Uh, but, um, hey, let's just call it like it is. It was it was encouraging moving forward. You know, Georgia's coming in. Georgia's really good. They hadn't played super-duper the last couple of times they've played, but they're really good, really – they'll have a big advantage. And, you know, they're going to be fired up to try to get some revenge after last year. Um, so we'll see kind of uh, – see kind of what happens uh, when you're talking about the Gamecocks and the current team moving forward. I think it's time to have a conversation about Trey Atkins – the walk-on wide receiver. I think he's from Hillcrest Simpsonville. You know, this guy last year got in some games down the stretch and caught just about everything that was thrown to him, and he's catching passes again. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah, he's a guy, at least he catches it and um, seems to play hard and run good routes. Uh, so that's a guy to watch. I'm, I wanna, I'm curious to see if his production continues. Sometimes walk-ons just end up being pretty good. Um, and Trey Atkins could be that guy, I think uh, – you know, it was encouraging to see Jalen Brooks catch the ball. Jalen, I think, has the talent to get open and the athleticism to get open. But um, he hadn't been catching it, and it was encouraging to see that. And also Nick Muse um, sort of had – he was sure-handed uh, on Saturday. You know, I like, I like you know, the scramble plays. You know, that's, uh, that's kind of what you're going to get with Doty. You know, he's going to scramble around and, and try to fire it or run it. And, you know, sometimes that's your best option – you know, especially with your top receiver, Shai Smith, out of the game. Um, you know, that was just a disaster. You know, of all the guys you could lose. And, look, I I don't know if you guys – what y'all thought about the, um, the play where he got hurt, but I thought that was sort of the essence of targeting. Um, you know, maybe it was a clean hit. I'm not one of these guys that really – is a big fan of how that rule is interpreted consistently because I think they call it sometimes on good football plays. But it seemed like, you know, he was almost defenseless because he was wrapped up, and then the guy hit him high, and, and there was no flag. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But, um, you know, we'll see kind of what, uh, you know, if Shy recovers or whatnot. But to me, that looked like, like that's, that's the reason you call targeting. And lo and behold, he gets a concussion, a bad one. And so uh, that's what I thought about that. We'll talk more about the Georgia game moving forward. It's Thanksgiving week. Um, I know that with COVID-19, some of us are not going to be able to see our families this Thanksgiving. Uh, and I, I feel bad for those that, that won't. I feel good for those that will. Um, and I hope you guys just say, stay safe uh, and all that. But I'll talk about Thanksgiving more. Not sure we'll have a show on Thanksgiving Day probably at least by Friday. Um, we'll just kind of see what the schedule goes. Maybe one on Thanksgiving Day and not the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, but we'll just kind of see how things go uh, when we're talking about the show for the rest of the week. Coaching search. Um, you know, over the weekend, I can tell you that a lot of uh, the Shane Beamer candidacy gained a lot of momentum just from people I talked to behind the scenes. I, I know that there's a group that uh, is concerned about Shane uh, not having any head coaching experience. Uh, I will tell you that I, I think that's a valid concern with anybody you hire. I also think that when you 
sort of look at coaching searches and at how they've turned out, especially the last five years in college football, you know, big time success previously does not guarantee you anything. Um, you know, and, and I'll use the guy in Ann Arbor, Michigan as, as, you know, the number one example of that, that guy, you know, before he took the Michigan job, I'd say he's one of the best coaches in football up there with Saban and Belichick and those guys, just because of, you know, we talk about more with less. He wanted the university of San Diego. He won at Stanford. You know, he took a Stanford team that was, you know, had, had no talent. I mean, none. <laughs> and beat the mighty Trojans in the Coliseum 24-23 and then talk smack to Pete Carroll walking off the field. You know, he goes to the 49ers, which were a dumpster fire at the time, and leads him to force, you know, the NFL, NFC Championship game. And, you know, and, and then Michigan is probably the best situation he's taken over. And look, it's just it's not working out. He can't beat Michigan State, can't beat Ohio State. Maybe he does this year. I don't know. Uh, now he can't beat Wisconsin. You know, it's 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 an issue, um, you know, and I've used the Scott Frost and Chip Kelly uh, example many times. You know, those two were the first two choices at Florida. Um, and, and you tell me right now who's in a better situation, Florida, Nebraska or UCLA. I'd say the Gators who, who just hired Dan Mullen, who wanted the job. So. You know, I'll, I'll go through all that and, and just explain that that's, you know, I understand the concern. But these days in college football, you know, three of the top four guys in the final four last year, that was their, you know, they're all in their first college head coaching jobs. You know, in Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day's case, it's been recently. Um, and then Dabo, of course, was Dabo. And then Ed Orgeron was a guy that got fired at Ole Miss and was the interim. And so, you know, I say all that to say this. I have no idea if Shane Beamer would work out at South Carolina or not. Um, I understand the concern with some of you out there. I also understand that why a lot of people think it's a good idea. I would just tell you if he gets the job, get behind him and, and, and judge it. You know, I, I, I don't think it's in anybody's best interest. And every time – like, okay, so say you don't want Shane Beamer to get the job and say he gets hired because there is some momentum that he – I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say he's not getting the job because he may. Um, so let's say, let's say, you know, you're against it. It's not productive. Like every t- – he, he will lose a recruit. I promise you that will happen. There will be a recruit that comes down to South Carolina in School X that will pick School X. There's no need to jump off the building and say, I told you so. He will hire a coach – for his staff that you probably never heard of, you know, that you are, or you, you're not impressed with his resume. You know, there's no need to jump off a building. You know, there will be some personnel decisions made in spring practice that make you scratch your head, you know, cause maybe you don't think this player is good or that. It's okay to have that opinion. Don't jump off a building. Okay. When he loses a game, which he will next year, anybody that takes this job is going to lose a game or several next year. Don't jump off a building. You know, you, you just you, you got to kind of, you know, live. I mean, we, we just went through that. Every must champ game there was. I mean, even as early as like 2016 when they started two and four. I mean, it was just it was it was just bad, you know. And, and I think with must champ because he had the Florida experience tacked on to him, it made it even worse. At least if they hire Shane Beamer, he's zero and zero. So he hadn't won a game, or actually he's one and zero. Yeah, he did win the bowl game for Virginia Tech when he filled in for his dad. 
but you know, he hadn't, you know, hadn't won, but one game, but he hadn't lost anything either. So, you know, I think you can take some solace in that, but enough about him. I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that because I, I think it's more realistic today that he gets hired than maybe I thought last Monday. So I'll just put it that way uh, and move forward. I, I, I do not believe there is a leading candidate right now. Uh, I think that the media and, and Internet narrative uh, has probably gotten out in front of, uh, you know, where the search actually is at. Um, you know, I'll tell you this. Yeah, I got the name Kevin Wilson this morning, the, the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. I don't think he's got a shot at the job because of how his tenure at Indiana ended, but he's from North Carolina, went to North Carolina, uh, you know, is familiar with South Carolina uh, and his offense at Ohio State. You know, he does have Justin Fields, but they're kicking it, you know. So I, I don't I don't think there's, it's bad that his name's being thrown out there, but I don't think he's going to get the job. Um, you know, you, you hear the name Sean Lewis from Kent State, heck of a young coach, you know, played at Wisconsin. He's from the Dino Babers coaching tree. Kent is a brutally tough job, despite the fact Nick Saban and Lou Holtz went to school there. Um, he's done well at Kent. Um, so that's a name that you're going to see. I mean, offensive minded, that kind of guy. Um, don't think he's going to get the job. Neil Brown from West Virginia is another name that's got some got some pop to it. Um I think Neil Brown could be a guy that, uh, you know, is a legitimate interview him kind of candidate for the job. Uh, I'll, I'll take it on down. You know, uh, you know, we hear the Jeff Monken talk, the dude from army. Um, I, I, I don't be surprised if he gets a formal interview. Uh, I think that people in Columbia would probably riot if he's the head coach, just because it's uh you know, I think that triple option stuff works a lot of places, but uh, at South Carolina, you know, you're talking about what you do is, you know, if, if let's say South Carolina ran the traditional Georgia Tech, Army, Navy style triple option, okay, which is probably not going to happen. But let's just let's just throw it out there and say that's happens. I, I think South Carolina could win five to seven games a year, but I think just like Georgia Tech, they would hang in the balance. Um, and, uh, you'd have a lot of close games, you know, you'd have a close game against coastal. You'd have a close game against Georgia, <laughs> uh, just like Georgia tech. And at the end of all that, when he hangs it up, you're going to have Southern conference talent on your roster and you're going to have a five-year rebuild, probably more than that. Cause Jeff Collins is going through that at Georgia tech right now. Uh, I, I think it would be similar, you know, the record, the bottom line would be, I think decent because, you know, there's just some schools that aren't going to be able to properly prepare for the option. Not Clemson as long as Brent Venables is there, so you can hang up beating them in that game for a long time um, because he's worked on it and gotten it figured out. But, you know, you're going to have, you know, a situation there where you're you're setting your program back years and years and years, you know, for the sake of winning five to seven possible games. And and I just don't see – that being a smart move because I think there are other people with other offenses that can come in and, and still recruit and, and get it done, if that makes any sense at all. But you're going to hear – Monken's going to get an interview, I, I think. And I think you're – I think it'll be public too. Um, so don't panic. Again, just like I said, if Shane Beamer gets the job, you know, don't panic. You know, don't panic if Monken gets an interview. I mean, he's got very close ties to, to President Caslin. 
Uh, and, and I think that sometimes, you know, you, you want to give a guy, you know, a puncher's chance to come in and, and interview for the job. I just don't think he'll get it because I don't think the style of play is compatible with the Southeastern Conference from a long-term standpoint. And I think that, you know, if you're South Carolina and you make that move, like I said, you're, you're guaranteeing yourself, I think, some success. You are a special preparation, which is important, a very special preparation. And I think you jump up and get some guys. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you're setting your program back quite a bit uh, if you go that that direction, you know, especially in this league. You know, and then what you're going to start to see is um, all seven permanent opponents, you know, the SEC East and Texas A&M, and then Clemson already does this, you know, they're going to start scheduling your Waffords of the world and, you know, your schools that run triple option at the 1AA level or FCS level, and they're going to start scheduling them every year because they're going, well, we have South Carolina, and then they're going to get good at stopping it. And so, you know, I, I think that there's – all sorts of football reasons why mine can not work. All right, let's talk about Billy Napier. Um, feel bad for him, didn't get to coach this past weekend because of a positive COVID test. That's just kind of – there's a lot of that going around <laughs> these days. Um, you know, I talked about Beamer and why he would work out last week. Uh, you know, I promised I would talk about a lot of the guys. Now, Napier, you know, here's a guy that's young and hungry that, you know, I think he – fits with more than more with less because you know Louisiana had said had some success under Hudspeth before he got there but then there was a probation and that program had really kind of tanked quickly uh Hudspeth was a guy that was on a lot of lists you know I mean I'm I I think a lot of folks if Mullen had left earlier a lot of folks believed that he was the next guy at Mississippi State um they went with Joe Moorhead and then ultimately with Mike Leach but uh you know, he's a guy that has uh, had a great reputation and did win. So it's not like you never win at Louisiana, but Louisiana's not an easy job. Ricky Bustle, uh, who was at Virginia Tech and at South Carolina, was the coach there and and certainly, you know, won some games. I think he came in and scared the bejesus out of the Gamecocks a couple of times, uh, both under Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier. But, you know, that's not that's not like a – a place where everybody's going and winning and going to bowl games and all that, you know, bustle was there from Oh two to 2010. Uh, he never went to a bowl uh, and he went 41 and 65. So, and they pulled some upsets and, and had, it's had some games where, you know, like I said, they scared the crap out of you, but um, he, uh, you know, it, it's not someplace that has this long history of winning. Let's just let's just put it that way. Uh, and so, you know, Louisiana Lafayette is a is a place where it's just not, you know, a given you know, that, that you're always going to win. Um, you know, I, I think that that's one thing you have to keep in mind uh, when you're talking about that. I mentioned Hudspeth earlier and he's got some games he had to kind of forfeit or whatever. He's the head coach at North Alabama and went 66 and 21. It's a good division two job, North Alabama. Uh, and then came in and, 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 you know, built on what, you know, Bustle did one, two, four straight. New, he went to the, went to the new Orleans bowl five times. Uh, I remember the 2013 game. They played Tulane. I sat there and watched it. Um, and now he's the head coach at Austin P where we'll, 
you know, Will um, Will Healy came from. Healy's kind of kind of set the ground. He shows you how good Will Healy recruited at Austin P. Hudspeth went eleven and four in twenty nineteen with the Governors. You know, so uh, you know he kind of built on that with some some bowl games, but you know it, it's been nothing. You know, really like Napier's been able to do uh, in terms of like the quickness of how it happened. Um, you know, and in fact, Hudspeth's, you know, last two games, last two seasons there, he was uh, – last three seasons, they had four and eight, six and seven, went to a bowl, five and seven. You know, so it wasn't like they were killing it uh, at the end of the day. They dropped out. So Napier comes in. He does some good recruiting. Uh, he won immediately. Uh, he's a guy that I will tell you is a relentless recruiter. Um, he's got the more with less box checked. Uh, he likes offensive football. Uh, the things he learned, I mean, he's not, you know, I think that the tendency is to get away from the Nick Saban coaching tree. And I, I wouldn't necessarily put him as a full-fledged member of the Nick Saban coaching tree. He's probably somewhere in between, you know, style-wise. And this is just style-wise. This is not, you know, results-wise. So don't freak out. Again, style, not results. Somewhere probably in between Derek Dooley and Lane Kiffin. Uh, you know, Kiffin's kind of, if you go down the scale as to like, you know, what's, what's the more lax, sort of relaxed, pro fun type deal, you know, you go down toward Kiffin. But the structure and stuff like that, and when I say structure, I mean the value of off-the-field assistants and staff, the value that comes with having nutritionists and, you know, support staff for the student athletes and the value of doing everything you possibly can to give your student athletes the first class experience. Now that stuff's already in place at South Carolina with Will Muschamp. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of things you learn from Saban when you get Napier, Uh, you know, he's a relentless recruiter. Uh, He's a guy that's going to get involved with, you know, the battle South Carolina needs to win. He knows the state. Uh, you guys would not understand, you know, how many high school coaches uh, respect Billy Napier and have a great relationship with him. And here's the key to that. Back at South Carolina State, when he was a young, young assistant, he, he worked that. Uh, he worked that recruiting trail hard for, for that school um, and made a lot of great, a lot of great, contacts within the state of South Carolina and beyond. He's connected in Georgia. He's connected in North Carolina. When he was at Clemson, they were not yet Clemson. You know, so they'd get in these recruiting wars with these programs that were more successful and even win some of them. You know, people say, and this is probably, I think, the dumbest argument ever against hiring a coach. Well, he was fired at Clemson 10 years ago, and you don't want Dabo to say blah, blah, blah. Um and look, I understand from a fan's perspective, because I get it. You know, your Clemson buddies right now are riding high. Uh, you know, they're one of the best programs in the country. You know, South Carolina's making a coaching change. You know, they're winning national championships. South Carolina's falling further and further behind in the SEC East. You know, they're they're signing five stars. You know, South Carolina's losing players out of the state that they should get. I understand all that. It's a rivalry. They're going to talk smack. And they're going to bring that up. But those are their fans, man. Those are not their coaching staff. Their coaching staff, it would be completely idiotic if they're in a if Clemson's in a battle with Billy Napier in South Carolina and they say, well, we fired him 10 years ago. Yeah, well, he's gone on to be part of 
a couple of national championship staffs. He's coached in the Pac-12 where he did a great job uh, for a year and then took over his own program and won three straight division titles. Uh, you know, so if you're Clemson, you're not going to use that argument. You're going to point to the trophy case and say, hey, you want to go right on the slide and call it a day? <laughs> I mean, why would Clemson use that? <laughs> First of all, it was 10 years ago. Second, he sort of redeemed himself pretty well. Third, they don't really have to do that. Look in the trophy case. I mean, <laughs> some of this stuff. But, but, you know, the fans that feel that way, I understand. I understand that part of it, too. I mean, I, you know, you, you don't want anything to look like, you know, the, the other program in the state is one up. You know, you want to try to close the gap on those guys, not take their leftovers and hope you could just be good enough. Now, now here's the thing with Clemson, too. Now, those of you that, that feel this way about Napier, the, the, the ones that you don't want, and this is why this will never happen, despite the fact that there are some media members in our state that – like to push that because I think they just want to sit back and watch uh, and it'd be a good story. Uh, that's why Tony Elliott and Brent Venables, I don't think you can give them the job and I don't think they want the job. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Elliott interviewed just as a courtesy because uh, he is a up and comer and it's good to interview and, and get out there and talk. Uh, but, you know, you hire either one of those guys and let's say it doesn't work out. Clemson's got bragging rights forever. <laughs> I mean, not, not nothing lasts forever, but I mean, you're, you're sitting there and Clemson just flushed you down the toilet of college football because you took their guy and he couldn't make it work either. So you took their leftovers and, and he couldn't make it work. And, you know, there you go. I don't think you classify Napier as leftovers though, because it happened so long ago. It was a decade ago. I mean, his experience at Clemson is only relevant like his experience at South Carolina state or wherever to where he knows the state. Uh, and, and he knows kind of, you know, the land, lay of the land and the program and he's close to home. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's not, that's the only way that's relevant. The fact that Dabo Sweeney decided to go in another direction uh, after the 2010 season where Dabo was trying to call plays and get involved with the offense. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's relevant. And if you want to point to something, I mean, this guy was like, you know, 20, 29, 30 years old. Um, and in 2009, they had Spiller and Jacoby Ford and those guys. They were really good on offense, you know. Went, uh, won the first division title in Clemson history. Um, Tommy Bowden, when he was there, said he felt about Napier. He's been quoted recently. I felt about Billy Napier just like I felt about Dabo. You know, this guy is, is is a guy that can is a successful head coach that I think can win. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the arguments against Napier are a little, you know, I, I, they're not much. You know, it's not much to stand on. Now, there's questions out there as to whether or not he really wants the job. Uh, I I continue to cycle that around through sources, and most people say he does. That could be, you know, um, agent speak. Uh, you know, I think that there, there is a certain school of thought that maybe some other things would come open that he would be in the mix for that on paper maybe a little better than South Carolina. I don't know. Um, you know, is Tennessee going to make a move this year? I, I don't know. 
if Tennessee made the move, would you know Cookville native Billy Napier be a better choice than Hugh Freeze for their fans? I don't know. Uh, if LSU happened to open because the this off the field thing with Orgeron spirals out of control, I don't know. Big win by Orgeron this weekend though, because the more he wins, the the more they're going to protect him. So so you know, I know Napier didn't go down the road with Arkansas and turned down Mississippi State last year. Uh, and the word was he was eyeing a job in the SEC East. He's not a dummy, you know. The SEC East jobs are are more attractive than the SEC West jobs when you're talking about this tier. Now, Georgia and Florida are more attractive. You know, I, the Tennessee job, you know, a lot of people do think it's an attractive job. but And, and, I, and I think Hugh Freeze, because he, he coached in that state, technically, even though Memphis is more like Mississippi. Um, you know, I, I'm sure he'd be interested in it. But look at what they went through last time, Tennessee, <laughs> in trying to find a guy. I mean, it got down to, like, it got bad, you know, and you hope that doesn't happen at South Carolina this time. But, you know, I mean, they almost they tried to hire Dave Dorn. And, you know, they, the, the Greg Schiano thing was just crazy. Shiano's doing pretty well at Rutgers, by the way. Um, you know, so 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 when we look at Tennessee as being a better job, I don't know. Now that's 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 a job like South Carolina that I think, you know, coaches that say, should I go to South Carolina or Tennessee or even Missouri or should I go to Mississippi State or Arkansas or Ole Miss? They you know they're going to look at the East because look, man, Georgia's really good. And they're going to be really good. And they've always had really good talent. Um, They're not Alabama yet. That's just a fact. Um, Florida is having a great year. Uh, Mullen has done a great job there. They're winning big again. Um, We'll see kind of what happens next year when they lose some some seniors and some things like that. But uh, that's two teams as opposed to like four. I mean, because, man, you know, Ed Orgeron gets fired. Who cares? They're going to bring in another guy that's going to turn LSU into a monster because they always have been. Auburn's always really good. Alabama's always really good. And Texas A&M recruits as well as anybody in the country, and they're really good right now. And, th- and then when you're all Arkansas, Mississippi State, or Ole Miss, you have to deal with – if you're like Arkansas, you got to deal with Ole Miss and Mississippi State because, you know, they're wanting to knock you in the face. You know, whereas over here, you know – South Carolina people should be embarrassed. They've lost to Missouri two times in a row. You know, you know, you've got a Kentucky and a Vandy and a Missouri and a Tennessee program that remains in the wilderness. You know, there's more upward mobility path of least resistance. It's really hard. uh, If you're not a blue blood program to get up and beat four blue bloods in a year, it's less hard to get up twice a year and do it and hope the ball bounces your way. Um, and so that's why Napier's, you know, a guy that I believe is still interested in the job. I remember when he was a quarterback at Furman, led those guys to the national championship game, heck of a player, knows offense. Uh, people say, is he, you know, part of the Saban tree or the, the Dabo tree or whatever tree? I think he's really part of the Bobby Johnson tree. And I think we can all agree Bobby Johnson's a heck of a coach. Hell of a coach, really. You know, especially when you when you get into the more with less, you know, will Napier call his own plays? I don't know. You know, if there was one thing that I look at, you know, when you're comparing these offensive guys that call their own plays right now, it's not as 
dynamic as like a Jamie Chadwell. It's not as different as that guy, uh, but they do. It is effective, and they do put up numbers. And, and I do think he, if he wanted to call his own plays, I don't think that would be terrible. Um, but you know, that's sort of the case for him. And, and I think that uh, you know, when you talk about having a plan, I think he would have a plan. Uh, I think that uh, would it be specific to South Carolina? I don't know. I mean, you, you can tweak it and do that. You know, I'm not going to endorse him over Beamer or Beamer over him or anybody over anybody because I'm not endorsing this time. But I'm telling you, Billy Napier would be a heck of a hire. You know, I, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong hiring him. Um, you know, and that's even if his even if he wasn't a guy that, that Dabo fired or whatever the backstory was there. Yeah, I still think heck of a coach, heck of a coach. Uh, and, and you look at his track record, and it, it says that. So, again, not endorsing anyone, not trying to throw cold water on the momentum Shane Beamer has. I think, you know, you guys know uh, I, I rolled all that out last week with with Beamer uh, and, and why that guy could be a fit, and I'm rolling it out with Napier and, and all that. I don't know that I'll get to Hugh Freeze because his candidacy is kind of, you know, shrinking back but i'll do some more guys here coming up all right so it's time for the mailbag mailbag those of you that love the mailbag right so to get to the mailbag you go uh tweet to at the big spur pod and um you can also email uh inside the gamecocks at gmail.com and um, here we go. Aaron, Aaron says, JC, thanks for the great podcast. What kind of staffs do you think the prospective football coach hires would make? Who could put together the most impressive staff? I don't, you know, I, I thought Will Muschamp put together the most impressive staff initially than any coach ever uh, because you look at it on paper and Lance Thompson comes in, National Recruiter of the Year. Brian McClendon comes in, National Recruiter of the Year. Those guys probably did not work out. Um, you know, you had some other guys that were really good hires. Bobby Bentley obviously was a good hire. They kept Sean Elliott, uh, at the time. Um, you know, I, I thought that, uh, when you look at the defense, you know, Mike Peterson, obviously I think has done a great job since he's been at South Carolina, uh, you know, but that first staff, you know, Top to bottom, you were like, man, you know, then they added the extra assistant or whatever, Krantz got in. You know, so I, I don't necessarily know about names. You know, I could sit there and say, you know, Shane Beamer and Billy Napier and, you know, Hugh Freeze would all hire a great staff. But I, I don't think you're going to get the names like with Muschamp, and I don't think that that's like really a deal that that matters. I mean, you know, so you're, you're talking about guys that know, you know, wanting to hire guys that know how to get it done at South Carolina – you know, so there may be some familiar folks uh, on either of those staffs, but, you know, I, I don't know about national recruiters of the year uh, and all that good stuff. And, and, and it's not that – it's not, you know, Lance Thompson and Brian McClendon did not work out for different reasons. And, and it's no offense to them. You know, you talk about fit. Those guys just weren't good fits at Carolina. Lance is, could probably go walk back in at Alabama or at Ole Miss or, or wherever and get it done at a high level, and he coached his butt off. You know, you look at his guys from 2016 to 2017, how much better they got and how he set up Javon Kinlaw for success and all that. Heck of an on-the-field coach. But recruiting-wise, it just didn't happen. So, 
you know, I, I would expect them to hire good staffs, but, but I don't think that, uh, you know, you may not be blown away by the names. I think in a, in the case of a Shane Beamer hire, you, you are looking for guys with track records on defense and offense. Um, I think with a Billy Napier hire, obviously there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on who's the defensive coordinator. Uh, and it could be the guy from Louisiana Lafayette. And quite frankly, that guy's a really good football coach, but he's not a big name. Yeah, so some of you will probably have never heard of it. Um and that's what I'm saying. You got to get the best coaching staff for South Carolina. I think Napier, Beamer, Freeze, Neil Brown, whoever, whoever, um, you know, with the staff too, you have to understand th- these assistant coaches around the country, they're all on like one or two year deals at tops. Okay. Most of them do not make even the coordinators in, in the ACC, with the exception of Clemson, in the, in the, in the Big 12, in, in the, in the Pac 12, in the Big 10, um, unless they're just special. Uh, with a special track record. Um, They don't make the money like they do in the SEC. And so if you're a coach, you know, and assistant coaches are very like mercenary, like, you know, you you want to take care of your family. And and if you're making 600 and you can make it, you know, get it raised to 1.3, you know, you're coming to South Carolina. (laughs) And that's just how it is. I mean, it's very mercenary. So I think no matter who the coach is, the Gamecocks are going to be able to put, you know, an investment behind them um, and make some impressive staff hires. I, I really do. I don't think that uh, – I don't think that that's uh, an issue at all. So who could it be most impressive? You know, Beamer, Napier are the guys staff-wise I've focused in on a lot. Um, so I would probably say those guys, but I'm not um, – yeah, I'm not 100%. You know, I, you know, it's – it's. Uh, yeah, who knows? Will Healy could probably probably put together a really good staff as well. He's way down the list, but you know, just about anybody with the resources you have. The the issue is you've got to be smart. Like you got to be a special preparation on offense, and you've got to have a defensive coordinator that knows what he's doing. Okay, uh, and, and it's hard to look out there now when you see, uh, you know, when you see the uh, the look. Uh, of the landscape in college football and you can't um you can't uh you know stop anybody <laughs> nobody's stopping anybody right now alabama georgia really aren't you know so you know that's the deal there i think that you know defense is hard to wrap your mind around because the year we've had but you just got to get a good one so we'll see what happens aaron thank you so much uh for your question and i'm give you a retweet there to let you know gonna be answered today so gotta go back now to the inbox loving this on a monday folks love coaching searches just a love coaching searches a whole lot all right here we go inside the game cox at gmail.com being pulled up all right so you know william says would like to hear your reaction to what Kirby had to say about our current coaching search. The comment about Sark didn't sit quite so well on my end. For what it's worth, what it's worth, if he didn't have anything good to say, surprised he did not. The guy shouldn't have said anything at all. Thanks, JC. Appreciate all you do in the pod. Yeah, you know, he said something like, well, Clemson was not as good back then, and they weren't, but they were winning ACC titles and going to bowls. Uh, and he continues to repeat the SEC East was down, and it was down in some years. You know, I, I don't think, you know, when, when you kind of look at 
the scores of the SEC championship game during that time. You can't say it was better than the West, but you know, Georgia in 2012, uh, which is one of Carolina's best teams during that time, Carolina beat them 35 seven. They were a play away from playing for the national championship against Notre Dame. And, uh, you can't tell me that, that Gurley and those guys wouldn't have ran all over Notre Dame just like Alabama did. That Notre Dame team didn't probably didn't belong. Maybe it's a little closer. Um, all Chris Conley had to do is not fall down and get somehow get in the end zone, and, and Georgia wins that football game and you know goes and wins a national title for Mark Richt. The 2012 Florida team Muschamp has was 11 and one and went to the Sugar Bowl. So that year was was pretty doggone good. You know I agree that in 2013. Missouri probably wasn't the best champion, but they still were a top five football team when the Gamecocks beat them. Uh, I think, oh, all in all, that was their best team. You know, 2014, that Missouri team wasn't really all that good, and they won it, so the, the division was down indeed at that point in time. Um, but, you know, you can't just say a division is down just because, like, the teams that are normally good at some at said points are not. And if you really if you if you want to sit there and use Tennessee being down for 12 years as an example as to why the division isn't all that good, that's fine and fair. But but it's more the case that you know there's an opportunity for another school to rise. Um and I get it. I mean, this job is probably harder than it was when Muschamp took over because Muschamp and staff did not you know take advantage of the opportunity, you know. You you started losing ground on the division. Uh, about 2019. And, um, you know, first three years, they didn't have a problem beating Missouri, Tennessee, or Vandy. Had a Kentucky problem. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of one of those things where, you know, it, it's a talking point that a lot of people use. And they always want to use that they're, oh, they had all these good players from the state, and now they don't have them. And, you know, I still think there are good players in the state. And I think Will Muschamp would still be coaching had Brian McClendon recruited the state at wide receiver a little better. Um, you know, so there's still talent in the state. Uh, you know, is there an Alshon Jeffrey, Marcus Lattimore guy at those specific positions right now? I don't know. I don't think so. Marcus was special, you know. Alshon was was special, you know, just like Sidney Rice before him and, and some of the plus-size receivers that are out there. Um you know, Stephon Gilmore, obviously a special player at corner when you look at what he's done in the NFL and what he did at Carolina. Um, so that's three guys that were important. But Connor Shaw was also important. And, you know, last time I checked, you know, there's guys that, you know, may not have the, you know, you don't want to say that they could be Connor Shaw because that would be disrespectful to Connor Shaw. But skill set wise, you know, there are guys like that. You know, Bruce Ellington, Nick Jones, Ace Sanders, uh, Justice Cunningham was a big part of that. All the offensive linemen, Stephen Garcia, uh, you know, Pharaoh Cooper. I mean, you know, there were really good players that, you know, nobody ever, you know, they just point to Jeffrey Gilmore and uh, Lattimore and Clowney, of course. How could I forget Clowney? But, you know, there's Melvin Ingram, you know, he was a three-star guy out of North Carolina, you know, but, but, you know, it is tough. And I I think the more intelligent thing to say, instead of sitting there talking about Sarkeesian, because I don't know how much in the mix he is, 
Uh, I know that there are some folks close to Carolina's program that like him. I think those folks are looking at what kind of zone he's in, calling plays for Alabama, and rightfully so. I mean, they're they're lighting it up, and he is in a zone. But they also have Alabama talent. And to me, you know, Sarkeesian doesn't fit the more with less deal. Um, I think one day he's going to go be a head coach again and probably will be successful. But I just think that, you know, you talk about fit. I don't know that that's a fit. And so instead of talking about that, you know, maybe they just shouldn't talk about the coaching search because I don't think they they really knew. I mean, and, and I, you know, if I'm Herbie, and I'm going to say this because I got a lot of respect for the guy and I generally care about what he has to say. I'm probably not commenting on the South Carolina coaching search because everybody in the country knows my, my kids play for Clemson. And that's just going to piss people off. So even if you didn't mean anything by it or you're just kind of giving your opinion, it's going to come across as bias. Uh, and it's probably best just not to say anything, you know, because, I mean, you're not going to win. I've been in the other end of that too. Like when I was working in national recruiting and, you know, if there was a critic, oh, Clemson doesn't recruit that well in the lines of scrimmage, which at the time they didn't. You know, I say something like that. People know my connection to South Carolina. You know, that that's that's, that's just that, – even if I'm completely right, uh, it does no good. And so I learned over the years, I didn't – you guys notice, I never really said much bad about Clemson, and I still don't. Just because what does it matter? You know, even if I'm 100% right, I still look like a clown. <laughs> you know, oh, it's a South Carolina guy. He's going to say that. Right, so I think I, I think Herbie probably needs to to think about that. But you know, who am I to tell Kirk Herbstreit what to do? But I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It didn't sit well with me either. And, you know, that's that. Dale says. So after what we saw Luke play in the second half of the ball game, should there be any question about him being started for the remainder of the season? No, I think he should be. Not only did he provide us a uh, did he provide us a spark, but he was able to avoid being sacked. True. Found multiple receivers. True. And the offense seemed to come around around him. Ironically, it seemed if our defense seemed as, as it – I can't read today. Ironically, it seemed as if our D stepped up after he became the go-to guy. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he positively impacted the entire team. Where has this Atkins kid been all year? He's been on the roster. He played down the, the stretch last year. The kid made an amazing catch, even though it was called back due to holding. Luke still has some work to do, but obviously he gets a little excited on some of his passes. But having little reps at practice, I say he looked great. Now he's been getting a lot of he's been getting a ton of reps at practice now, a lot more the last three weeks. As always, keep up the great work and go Gamecocks. I agree. Uh, you know nothing against Colin Hill, and look, I, I'll still say till the end of time, Hill should have started over Helensky, and I'll still say that. There were games this year where Colin Hill kept the Carolina in the football game because of the way he ran the offense and Bobo scheming it up. But when you take Shy Smith out of it, uh, I think I think Hill become or um, sorry Doty becomes a no brainer. Uh, I think even with Smith, you kind of look at the spark Luke gave you, and I think you got to go to Luke because you, you can always go back to Colin. But let's say Georgia puts a spy on Doty, he's going nowhere, he's turning it over, you know, you're you're getting ransacked next week, you can always put Hill back in, you know, if, if that's the case. Uh, but I think I think that's what you got to do uh, right now. And I don't know if that is what they're going to do, but I, I, I am leaning that way, and I think that, uh, you know, that that's what they should do. 
you know, I, I think that that gives, you know, the team a spark. I think that gives him valuable reps heading into next year. I think it gives the fans hope. Not that Colin Hill didn't inspire hope, but, you know, when you got one receiver and you're just trying to run it out and all that good stuff, uh, you know, it's, it's it's tough. And especially like with Missouri and what they were doing defensively, they were just not going to let them run. So then you have a drop back passing game when you're one guy, you know, that you try to scheme it up to get it to is is out. I don't think he'll trust the other receivers. I think Doty just goes and plays. And I think sometimes that's the best way to do it. If, if you're that limited, just go play. Just go make a play. So I agree with you there, Dale. Thank you for that email. Jason says, thanks for all you do here. By far the best game Cox podcast out there. I feel like Doty going in added a little spark in the team. We hadn't seen it in a while. He made some mistakes, but overall, the game was more fun watching when he came in. I agree. And, and look, I, I don't know that it's all – I mean, it's fun to win, okay? So the style of play when you win – you know, everybody's like, okay, you know, like the Auburn game, nobody was complaining about the style of play. But when you're not, <laughs> you know, style can matter, especially when you're talking about the fans and, you know, getting ready for the future and all that. So I, I tend to agree with you there. I think, you know, the more Doty plays, the better. I thought he did, you know, provide a uh, spark. And, and I think that, you know, the, the team responded, and, and that's that's part of playing quarterback, too. The team responded. Um, on the coaching search, when do you think Ray would like to have his two or four finalists by? I'm just ready for the program to start moving in our new direction, no matter who it might be. Yeah, Jason, I, I would encourage everybody, because this, this you know, it's it's not a midseason change. Uh, they're 75% of the way through the year. I, uh, I would still encourage everybody to be patient. You know, I, I don't. I don't know necessarily – I think you're going to hear some news and, and some some reports this week, but I don't necessarily think you're going to have a press conference this week, Thanksgiving week, uh, about the uh, about the new coach, unless it's just a no-brainer. Uh, and if that's the case, I would, I would think it would be Beamer of all the folks out there because, you know, everybody else is not only coaching, they seem to be head coaching. You know, the, you know you're not going to – I don't know that you'll pull Napier in off, you know, right now with the games he's got left to say, hey, I've taken the job or whatever. Maybe you do. Uh, with Beamer, he's assistant head coach. He can, you know, start the transition pretty quick, you know, get everything going. But but I I, I know there's a lot of talk out there about it, and, and I know that people have heard that, and I've heard the same thing. Uh, I'm just personally like a little bit, yeah, I'm not quite sure they'll do it. And that that may be because of, um, you know, we thought there may be a coaching change after Texas A&M. <laughs> and then it was a week, you know, so maybe I'm a little gun shy. You know, we thought uh, announcements that, you know, we, we maybe I'm a little gun shy from the last time because we broke the news it was Will Muschamp and then 15 different people interviewed for it, it seemed, like Bruce Feldman's tweeting, this guy interviewed at South Carolina, that guy. And then Rich Rodriguez turns them down, or allegedly. You know, maybe I'm a little gun shy because I've, I've, I've anticipated things before and they haven't happened. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little gun shy about that. But we'll see. We'll see kind of um, what happens. I would anticipate the list has already been narrowed. Like I said, I put Kevin Wilson's name out there already. Uh, maybe he's the, he's the type of candidate I would think would be eliminated pretty quick. Uh, nothing against him, 
but you know, that's just, I don't know that that's a fit. I understand his interest in the job. And, you know, when you look at his numbers at Ohio state and the connections to the area, I think, you know, if you're making a master list of 25 to 30, you put him on it. But, um, you know, I, I would think it would narrow really quickly. Uh, you know, maybe not necessarily have a guy, but would narrow. And I, I would anticipate Beamer and, and Napier being on it. Um, if there's three or four, you know, your guess is as good as mine on the other ones, especially if Freeze is not in the mix at all. Still haven't had a hard no on that, but most of the returns have been probably not. So that would be the deal there. But yeah, everybody's ready for the new deal to happen, uh, for new coaches to be named. Uh, see what the staff looks like, all that good stuff. You know, it, it's good because it's a situation where, you know, I think a lot of people for a long time are ready for this thing to go in a different direction. So that's it. Hudson says, change of pace question here. What's going on with Under Armour? I'm out of the loop on why teams are dropping them as the plan for South Carolina to drop them as well. I know we signed the extension not long ago with them. Looking forward to all the quality content from the pod this week. Thanks, Hudson. Listen, um, I think that depends on Under Armour. You know, South Carolina's getting paid pretty well from them right now. South Carolina needs money. Under Armour comes to it, that you know, and wants to buy them out or whatever. I mean, you know, they'll have to negotiate it, but I, I don't, I don't see South Carolina actively going right now during a pandemic and a big budget shortfall and a buyout and everything else, uh, and saying, "Hey, we want out." You know, because Carolina could switch to Nike or Adidas. Uh, and I know specifically with Nike, they're not going to get the money from Nike that they, they get from Under Armour. Now, when you're talking about recruiting and what kids like and all this good stuff, you know, there are benefits to Nike, in my opinion. I, I think a lot of people have had questions about the Under Armour shoes for years. I think some are not – on the realms of, uh, I think they're kind of fantasy land types of opinions, but I, I know that at one point during the Spurrier era, they, they were really, you know, a little bit against the, uh, the cleats. And, and I don't know that Nike has those kinds of problems with the exception, obviously of Zion Williamson's shoe exploding, <laughs> but that's basketball. Um, Nike also helps basketball, um, you know, and it's, it's a good, it's the top brand. So, you know, but it's not, it's not, they're not going to pay as much money. They don't have to pay South Carolina a bunch of money. So that's the deal there. So we'll see what happens with that. I, I can't rule anything out. Um, all that good stuff. So anyway, that's the, uh, that's the end of the mailbag. Um, got one here from Mark. I appreciate just kind of a, a private thank you. Appreciate that, Mark. Um, and we are out today. Only inside the Game Guys podcast. All right. So coming back tomorrow, be sure to check out the bigspur.com. Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, I'll have my normal run of radio this week, maybe on a little bit in Columbia too, for those of you in the city. Um, and we'll talk with you soon. This has been the Inside the Game Guys podcast. This is JC Sherbert signing off. <laughs>